This episode is brought to you by the National World War II Museum here in New Orleans. During World War II, Japanese-American soldiers serving under the motto, Go for Broke, courageously advanced Allied efforts despite facing discrimination at home. The National World War II Museum's new special exhibit, The Go for Broke Spirit, Legacy and Portraits, explores the service and sacrifice of these Japanese-American veterans through powerful portraits, personal artifacts, and first-hand accounts. Discover the legacy of patriotism and resilience embodied by these men and women. Plan your visit today at nationalworldwar2museum.org. Louisiana residents get half off a museum admission and expressions of America tickets during the month of July. See website for details. Here's what's going on with Japan Society of New Orleans. On the evening of July 24th, in partnership with Honkaku Spirits and Banana Blossom Thai Restaurant, Japan Society of New Orleans presents Spirited Away, a taste of whiskey, shochu, and more. A premium beverage tasting experience to learn about and sample Japanese spirits like whiskey, shochu, and more with the experts of Honkaku Spirits visiting from Japan. The doors at Banana Blossom Thai Restaurant in Old Gretna open at 5.30, with festivities beginning at 6. Registration is limited. Visit the Japan Society of New Orleans website, Japan Society or Crew of Japan Facebook pages, or the event registration link in the show notes for more details. Kanpai. Hi, I'm Jennifer, and welcome to the Crew of Japan podcast, a weekly podcast where we take you on audio journeys through Japanese culture. This time on Crew of Japan podcast. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, we are going to take you on an artistic journey to Japan, quite literally. As an artist myself, I can vouch that Japan is a perfect backdrop for artistic inspiration. With famous landmarks, old historical neighborhoods, and beautiful nature, Japan is the best place to let your artistic visions come to life. But if you don't believe me, I brought along a valuable guest to the podcast for this episode to help me persuade you. Joined with us today is Rachel of Travel Bug Art, an instructor who is based in Kyoto. She is a talented artist who sketches everything that inspires her in the historical and nature-filled setting of Kyoto, Japan. I think that you will all be eager to try your hand at creating your own art once you have heard from Rachel and her experience of being an artist in Japan. All right, and we are back with another podcast episode. Doug and I are here with our special guest, Rachel with Travel Bug Art. Hi, Rachel. How are you today? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Great. Yes. No, we are glad to have you on. You know, I was thinking to myself that we never actually had an art episode, Doug. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I know like we sort of did, but only because I wanted to talk about manga. <laughs> but I really don't count that as an art episode. So this will be our first one and I'm excited. Oh, I'm really honored to be the first. So thank you. Yes, yes. No, I've been watching your Instagram for a few years. I'm just like, oh man, this is so good stuff. Oh, thank you. I'm very flattered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we jump into our meat, the art meat of our conversation, we have a question we ask all of our guests when they come on. Since we're a New Orleans-based, Japan Society New Orleans-sponsored podcast, we ask our guests if they have a connection to New Orleans, whether it's they've been before or they have like a memory or the first thing that comes to mind. So the 
floor is yours. Do you have a connection to New Orleans or do you have anything that pops in mind when you hear New Orleans? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first, I just want to say I think New Orleans is one of the best cities in the U.S., especially from an art and culture standpoint. Um, I have visited just a couple of times. I would like to go again. But yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of your other guests have probably commented just, you know, New Orleans contributions to, you know, food, you know, the cuisine, music, art. It's just it seems like a really great place. So I was very impressed when I when I visited. Yeah, you definitely have a wide variety of things to do when you come here. (laughs) If you want to look at food or you want to chill and just have a drink, you're good there. You want to eat your way through the city. You can do that. If you want to go to art museums, there's a whole bunch of art museums, like small and big that you yeah. can uh, peruse. There's there's so much to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I was actually uh, kind of surprised when I visited. I spent an afternoon at a park. I don't remember which one, but it Probably ended up City being- Park. Might've been that one. And it ended up being <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the trip. It's just, it seems like it's so full of life, plant life, insect life, bird life. It was just a really relaxing kind of break from the excitement of the city. So yeah, yeah. that was a pleasant surprise. Did you go? Did you go anywhere else? Like, did you check out any muse- art museums or anything? Do you remember? Or uh, it was a while ago. Okay. I think I went through there. Was, isn't there a gallery district? And then there, there was is, yeah. There was like a nighttime art market that I went through as oh, well. Cool. And it was really neat to see some local artists displaying their their creations. Awesome. So I, I really enjoyed that. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, speaking of art, you know, that's what we have you on for. But, you know, there's always a journey with that. And so we want to know your Japan journey, honestly. You know, first, where did your interest in Japan stem from? And your name on social media is Travel Bug Art. So it's not like Japan art. What made (laughs) you decide to settle in Japan particularly? (laughs) You know, give us your story. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I first came to Japan as a jet. So on the jet program. Ah, the there you go, program. Doug, a fellow oh, jet. Oh, fellow hey. jet. Okay. <laughs> I was I was in Wakayama for three years, and okay. I really loved it there. It was a it was a great experience. Um, when I left, it kind of broke my heart <laughs> a little bit. I, I returned to the States for a few years, and then I had the opportunity to return to Japan, and I had always had this dream ever since I visited Kyoto to go back and like live there and do art and you know here the you universe are. kind of aligned <laughs> and and here I am um I originally intended to be here about a year and now I'm on my fifth year living in Kyoto <laughs> yeah I was about to say uh, I've been following you for more than a year on Instagram so uh and you know I'm not mad about it I I'm really enjoying it here um I'm getting a lot of inspiration from living in Kyoto in particular and as far as your question about like where my fascination with Japan began, I guess it would be uh, when I did a, a minor in East Asian art history. Oh, okay. Of course, that included more than just Japan, but mm-hmm. you know, I had kind of a special affinity, I guess, for Japanese art, and so sure, yeah. From there, I you know, I think you can see why I ended up in Kyoto, given its yes, history and importance in sure. the art world. So sure. Here I so, am. Yeah. <laughs> what years were you on Jet? If you don't mind me asking, I'm uh, curious. 2010 to 2013. Okay, so you were in as I was leaving. I, I was Close. 2007, 2010. So Okay, so where were yeah. you? I was Fukushima. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. That's yeah, actually one so. of the few prefectures I haven't been to yet. So oh, I need to right. get some recommendations from you. There is a lot to do there. There's it a seems lot to like do. It. Yeah. 
It's got its nice share of beaches and winter sports if you like the cold weather stuff. So I think I think I need to hear about the beaches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was where I live. So you, you I, we definitely have the hook up there. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, great. If you're wondering why my name is Travel Bug Art, so I mean, there's the obvious travel connection there, but I'm also kind of a bug fan. I like insects. I think oh. they're cool. Okay. And uh, then I feel like you fit in then in Japan because for some I reason know. they have a really weird fascination with bugs as well. Um, I have a I lot mean, the of bugs hobbies. are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bugs are everywhere. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, I found out teaching on Jet that I have a lot in common with uh, Japanese elementary school boys. <laughs> you know, I love dinosaurs. I love bugs. I love animals. We had a lot to talk about. So there you go. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they loved you then. How many class pets did y'all have? <laughs> oh, not enough. And. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you had a minor in East Asian art. Mm-hmm. Was there a particular style or type of art that you, did you like sculpture versus painting versus like what was, I know a lot of your work that you do now are, are sketches and, and I guess water, is it watercolor? It looked mm-hmm. like watercolor. I wasn't sure, but a lot of it was like landscape based art. Mm-hmm. When you studied in school, did you do any classes on those, any like a variety of art classes or whether you kind of like honed in on certain things? Well, um, I guess probably anyone who's done any art history coursework probably knows that I would say it's more like history through the lens of art. So rather than focusing, I guess, on any one particular medium, the classes just kind of went through history, but using art as like the reference point sort of. But I guess I I took a course focused on Japanese Buddhist art history. That really stuck with me. And, you know, I particularly remember studying the Byoroin, which is in Uji, just south of, of Kyoto. And that was one of the first places I visited um, in Japan, actually. And uh, yeah, it was really powerful to see it in person. So I guess it, it was that. But these days, I think the thing that I've really found a connection with is um, Sumie, Suibokuga, so, which is inkbrush painting. Of course, that tradition originated in China, but Japan has kind of put its own twist on it and made it, you know, its own unique art form here. And um, I've been studying that when I have time here, and it's really made me a better painter. So I owe a lot to the influence of Japanese artists and Japanese art. So, so, so did you? I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm. No, I'm. I'm kind of curious. So, are you self-taught with watercolor? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. So I did, my major was a combination of fine art and natural science education. So I graduated from Ohio State University and they have a program where you can do not a double major, but like a combined major. So I had advisors from each department. I kind of wrote up my own justification for the program. And so I actually have a background as a naturalist. So before I was teaching art classes, I was teaching nature classes and I was... Yeah, I was finding ways to use art to teach nature, particularly to children, but it really works well for all ages. So I kind of see the two, art and science, as being very, very closely related. And that's not just my idea. That's that's something that we can see through history. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my inspiration for, for taking that approach, if that makes sense. But as far as watercolor, whether or not I'm self-taught, when I was in school, watercolor was not part of my coursework. And actually, I had more experience with oils and acrylics. And I came to watercolors a little bit later. And the reason why I was attracted to watercolors, I should say initially, I was put off by them because I thought that... (laughs) They looked really hard to me. You know? Yeah, and doesn't I, it? <laughs> I didn't I didn't like the idea of, 
you know, if I make a mistake, I can't paint over it or I can't change anything. That was yeah. my impression anyway. And that's not the case. I just want to tell you all, if you're if you have the same feeling <laughs> as me, that is not the case. Watercolor is a lot more flexible as a medium than that. But what really sealed the deal for me was the portability. So I found out that because watercolors can fit into such a compact little kit, they are easy to take with you out and about. They are really easy to keep clean versus oil. If anybody out there has tried oil painting, I think you're probably nodding your heads right now. Um, oils <laughs> and to a lesser extent acrylics can really be quite messy. Um, but watercolor is, is much easier to manage from that standpoint. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think in my, in my experience of watercolor was mostly... I think my kid, we get the little cheap watercolors at like like Target or Walmart and he like draws or paints with that. But that's about it. I've never actually tried doing watercolor. I like the sketch, you know, or whatever. That, that was my background in art was just drawing mostly. Mm. Um, so oh, that's nice. really cool. I, I, I should try watercolor sometime. I really should. <laughs> you I'm should. I, kid stuff. <laughs> I think you should. Or, you know, if it really is another level if you if you're using like even student grade watercolors so what i mean is if you get the specially made paper and then even a, a very reasonably priced set of actual watercolor paints the difference is incredible it's it's basically nothing like what we all played with in elementary school it, yeah, it really is a different sure. ball game yeah so <laughs> please do yeah yeah when i was in college and did art um they made us try everything just really? to be cool. sure that we knew we had experience on everything and um, I remember the lesson on watercolors and I remember having a lot of fun with it nice so are you thinking about maybe giving it a shot yourself <laughs> oh heck yeah I would love to nice especially the Why way not? you do it I don't know <laughs> like just having just having like the opportunity to just kind of like take Japan at like a slow pace and do art while in Japan that's so cool I like that idea yeah, I would love to see if you do some paintings. It'd be cool to see those. <laughs> kind of to piggyback off what Jen just said, a lot of your art that you feature on your Instagram has Japan as a backdrop and you use scenery in Japan as a backdrop, like whether it's a building, a temple, just some trees, a bridge, a variety of stuff. Like what makes Japan for you a different backdrop from other places that you've traveled to or been when doing art and doing your lands, like, you know, scenery art outdoors. Does it bring something out from inside of you to translate that into something on paper or a canvas? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think actually Japan completely changed my viewpoint about landscapes because I'm going to make a confession. I used to dislike landscapes. Um, really? <laughs> yeah, like not only from the standpoint that I didn't enjoy doing them, but I didn't enjoy looking at them. Just gonna, and I I'm can't just believe be real that, about that. I know you, you almost <laughs> only do that. I've only seen like maybe like two or three geisha watercolors. That's it. <laughs> Doing humans is the other thing that scares me. But mm. what I what I want to say now is um, that's I think what it's about is you have to do something that scares you. And um. so I guess watercolor. Uh, I guess what I should say: watercolors scared me. Landscapes bored me. And I, I guess I found a way, or I should give credit to Japan for making me see those things differently and, and trying different things. I think any artist, and I think you guys would agree with your art background too, that your best work is probably when you are pushing those boundaries and you are pushing yourself to do something a little bit different. And I thought a lot about like, why did I end up painting landscapes after I disliked them? And I think I was so moved by what I was seeing in in Kyoto and in Japan and just kind of the affection that I felt for the the place that I was living and experiencing that I wanted a way to like keep it forever 
if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. Totally. I understand that. I hundred percent understand that. Right. In a way that, like, I felt that taking photos wasn't quite doing for me. And yeah. when I make when I make a painting, working from life, which is what I do. I all of my work is done on site, and it is done from live observation. I'm creating a kind of connection with my subject that I, that stays with me and will stay with me for the rest of my life. And whenever I pick up and flip through my sketchbooks, I feel myself back in that moment or looking back at that place. And so I'm hoping that, you know, wherever life takes me, uh, I'm going to be able to look back at my sketchbooks and feel like I'm back in these places that, you know, have made such an impact on me. And sure. I mentioned before, you know, like my attraction to Kyoto in particular was its long history and its place in art history. And so a lot of the places that you might see featured in my paintings are places of historical significance, but there are also places that are just in my neighborhood or that I see when I'm just walking around the back streets. And I think that any of you all who have been to Kyoto, you can attest that that's one of the best things about the city is just going down the street and seeing what's at the end of it taking a different way than you did before and you know you find these little pockets that just wow you and so that's what i'm looking for i don't know if i saw this on your instagram when i was going through before the podcast episode started recording do you do a lot of sketches of like when you're out in nature do you catch like bugs like do you try to sketch those like live too i mean it's hard to capture that when they move around and everything but so my travel bug art instagram is pretty themed with my sketches of kyoto but that's not all that's in my sketchbook okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> i i'm kind of encouraged by you guys expressing an interest in it because most of my other stuff that i kind of do privately it, are things that i that i've kept to myself or not really so much on my instagram account but sure oh yeah i got bugs in that i got bugs in that sketchbook <laughs> <laughs> I have I have fossils. Oh, cool! I am really fascinated by. I mentioned my like interest in dinosaurs. I'm really fascinated by paleontology. I grew up next to a creek, and I used to find trilobite fossils in the oh, creeks neat. when I was a kid. So, what I've been doing outside of my paintings that you see on my travel bug art account are Sumier style fossil paintings. So, I use brushwork that is inspired by Sumier but I actually use watercolors on watercolor paper. And I kind of see the fossils as objects of beauty and of themselves. So a lot of paleo art is focused on kind of imagining what the creatures might have looked like when they were alive. And I think that that's really valuable and that really captured my imagination as a child and still does today. But from my contribution to that area I want people to kind of celebrate the fossils themselves and so the reason why I do that in in Sumie is because for anyone who's not too familiar with Sumie Sumie is usually done simply with black ink on white paper there's a lot of negative space and what that does is it invites the viewer to imagine for themselves the rest of the piece and then they therefore become a participant in that piece and so there aren't usually colors there isn't usually a background each viewer is going to have their own version of that and it's going to kind of stir creativity just by being a viewer and I absolutely love that about sumi art and a lot of other aspects of Japanese art and culture also incorporate that same idea uh, such as no theater, if anyone is familiar with that. There aren't props, there aren't backgrounds. You as the viewer are meant to become part of it by imagining those things for yourselves. And so that's what I see when I look at fossils. It jogs that in my brain. I'm thinking, what did this look like 
what was life like back then. And so I think that if I do the fossils in a Sumi style, it's kind of a tribute to that inspiration that maybe any of us who are interested in fossils or interested in uh, paleontology might feel when we look at the fossils themselves. So I don't know if that's an answer to your question or not, but yeah, there's other stuff going on in those sketchbooks. (laughs) Completely side note, if you ever do make it up to Fukushima in Iwaki, where I used to live, actually like not very far from where my apartment was, there was a coal and fossil museum because that area used to be like a lot of coal mines and they had like I don't know the whole She's history, writing it down. I'm yeah. literally <laughs> writing this down right yeah. now. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, I forget the name. It's like Kaseki something. I don't know. I'll have to look it up, but I can send it to you. But yeah, it's, I would it's love really, that. It's really cool. It was one of the places that the schools all took like frequent field trips, day trip to, because it was right there. But, you know, again, it's right up your alley. If, you, if you're into it, because I think they have a giant, I forget what dinosaur it is, but they have a giant fully constructed fossils dinosaur in there, among other things. I love it. I'm already, I'm yeah. sold. <laughs> yeah. She's already booking that trip for Hot springs and fossils, everything you need. I'm, yeah, I'm, all of that checks the boxes. So over the summer, I actually went up to Iwate and I went to, oh, okay. there's a, there's an Amber museum there. If you, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. I, I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't know. So I was digging in the Amber pits and I was oh, having cool. the time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Great times. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you use your sketchbook to do most, if not all, of your works, at least from what we can see from the public eye. Why are you a big fan of the sketchbook? Is it something that you recommend everyone to keep around them in case of moment of like inspiration? I think if you have an interest in art, the answer is yes. So... I think the reason why a sketchbook is a great place to start is because you don't have to show it to anyone. So I think a lot of people, especially beginners, they get intimidated because they think, is my skill level worth even putting on a piece of paper or putting on a canvas? Or is my idea worth the time or the expense of the materials to put down? And what I always tell anyone who takes my classes is the worst piece of art is the one that you never do. And so it's a nice saying. I like that. Thank you. So what I mean is if you buy if you buy art materials and you never use them because you think that what you have to say visually, I suppose, isn't worthwhile. Well, then you're never going to end up with any art. And I think a sketchbook takes some of that pressure off because they're usually pretty affordable. The other thing is they are secret unless you would like to share them with other people. Right. So for those two reasons, I would I would encourage anybody with an interest to to give it a try. And you don't have to become a professional artist to be an artist. You know, I think we all have something to say. We all have an experience or perspective to share. And that's very, very valuable. And so I would encourage anybody who who feels like it to try it. And it can be really relaxing and it can be a way to de-stress. And you don't need to spend a lot of time on it. You know, you could do it once a week for five minutes. It's not a big commitment. It's whatever you want it to be. But yeah, if you bring your favorite snacks, your favorite drinks with you, go outside or just go to your favorite place, whatever makes you feel comfortable, whatever makes you feel inspired and just make it something that you enjoy. Then I think that that's the potential start of something really great and something that could be a lifelong hobby. So or or more. So please, all of you, please give it a try. Oh man, I'm getting so much uh, feels because like I said, like I, I, and I used the past tense, I was an art major. I switched it because I didn't like how, I wouldn't say competitive, 
it felt very snooty <laughs> in college. So <laughs> I switched because I didn't like like people's attitudes towards each other, if that makes sense. Because like I love art for the enjoyment of it and for the fun of it and how it made me feel. But being an art major with other people made me feel like not so good. <laughs> so I had to like get away from the toxicity of it all. But I still very much enjoy doing art. And that kind of brings me to what you said earlier about your experiences in Kyoto with your art. You know, you physically go out and you station yourself somewhere and you just, you know, take the time to get it full live demonstration for it. You know, for people who kind of want to do what you're doing, do you have any recommendations on like how they should present themselves out in public like this? Like, because I'm sure like having a bunch of supplies out in public is kind of... Um, Especially in Kyoto, right. who, which always is so crowded anyway sometimes. So how do, right. how do you present yourself out in public? And, you know, what can people learn from? for that? What's like the, the etiquette? Is that kind of? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. So I know this is this is a podcast, so there's no video. I wish I could show you what I carry, but I'll try my very best to describe it. My kit is very minimalistic. My paint palette is about the size of a credit card. Oh, wow. Um, a little bit thicker, but mm. it's very small. And I have just gotten comfortable with holding that in one hand along with my sketchbook so that I don't take up any more room than just a person standing is basically okay. what I try to do. And for anybody who hasn't done a lot of art before, if you're wondering how to get started, don't start with paint then. Start with pens or pencils, something that's a little bit easier to handle. Um, a nice mid-ground would be to get what are called watercolor pencils. If you guys have never heard of those, they basically handle like colored pencils. But then when you're finished, you can take some water on a paintbrush, go over them and they turn into Oh, uh, they kind of spread out or... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And it works, it works pretty well for like quick observational sketches. But let's see. I want to make this response make sense. So first of all, I kind of took for a lot of the paintings that you see on my account, I took advantage of the coronavirus pandemic. So one of the things that was maybe one of the silver linings of this whole situation was that for a couple of years, Kyoto was pretty empty yeah. yep. for a lot of, for obvious reasons. And so I had the opportunity to visit some of these places without the crowds and I could do this without feeling like I was in the way or like I was inconveniencing anybody. So some of those places I don't know that I would go back to again now to try to sketch again just because they're probably mm -hmm. too crowded now. Yeah. But you don't have to sketch places that are on postcards. You know, when you're making a travel sketchbook, when you're doing sketches from observation, remember who you're sketching for. The answer is you're sketching for yourself. You're not trying to sell something at a gift shop. You're not trying to impress anyone else, hopefully. You're creating a memory for yourself of something that attracts you. And so I would encourage people to make discoveries like I was talking about, you know, go down a street, go to the corner of a park somewhere, go somewhere that is peaceful. So what I'm saying is don't go to King Kakuji and stand in the middle of the crowd and try to do a sketch. <laughs> like if you want to sketch King Kakuji, I, I encourage you to do that from the comfort of your own home from a photograph. You know, yeah. if you're trying to do sketch travel sketchbooking as a hobby, I think first and foremost, your comfort and the comfort of those around you is a concern. And so what that would mean is go somewhere where you don't feel crowded and surrounded by tons and tons of people. 
So not only for your your own sanity, but also for everyone else around you, you want to find somewhere where you can relax a little bit and create. So if you are just getting started, I would say go somewhere with fewer people, go somewhere that's not as crowded, like, a, like I said, like a park or something or a riverside until you get comfortable with handling your materials and making sure that, you know, you're not being obtrusive, you know, then maybe you can work your way up to sketching in more crowded places, potentially, depending on how that goes. But then as for like, just general common sense, I would say just keep in mind your surroundings along with the materials that you're using. So for example, you will not catch me with paint inside a temple. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, you got to you have to have a lot of respect for your surroundings and if there are any places that don't want you to be doing sketching or have a sign up or ask you not to, obviously please abide by that. But, you know, other than that, I think it's it's something that can actually be a way to connect with other travelers or local people. I've generally gotten very positive responses when people have seen me sketching. People are usually happy to see someone taking an interest in what might be their hometown or their neighborhood. So you might find yourself talking to people. So if you're not a people person, maybe put in headphones because <laughs> you're gonna you'll probably attract some uh, some observers if if you're publicly so did it, doing so art. So do a lot of people come up to you and like kind of talk to you when you're doing? Oh, what are you drawing? Or you know, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, sure. yeah that's of cool. Course. Yeah, it's a nice little icebreaker, right? It can be. Yeah. So yeah. there's some days when I put the headphones in though. I'm not feeling it, but generally I, I'm really happy to talk to, to anyone. And yeah. So cool. if, if you're a solo traveler, which I often am, if you go other, other places, you never know who you might meet just by doing something like that. So that's another thought. That's so cool. Yeah. Because, um, I went to Japan and 2010 to study abroad that's when I was still an art student and I kind of did what you suggested except instead of like getting photos from online I took the photos and then I brought them back home with me and I did a bunch of like I think one project was like a color pencil drawing and one was like an ink painting that I did and one of them was Fushimi Inari and you know very well you know you can't <laughs> you can't really do uh, art there it's very crowded um, on a regular day but another one that I did was of like my favorite ramen shop. So like it wasn't anything special. It's just I really love that ramen shop and I wanted to give it my my special touch in, with my art. So, yeah. Well, then I think that does make it special. And and that's exactly what I mean is I I think that choosing that ramen shop as a subject is an interesting thing to paint. Like I said, I mean, I, I paint famous places. You've seen them on my yes. <laughs> account, but I don't think that that's the only thing that's interesting. In fact, like I said, I think including places that have special meaning to you as, you know, personally is really, really important. Yep. And Fushimi Inari is in my hallway in my house and my ramen shop painting is in my kitchen. See, there you go. And every time you look at it, I bet it takes you right back, doesn't it? It does. It does. I love it. <laughs> my, my next question, based off of kind of the conversation where we've been going, we've been talking a lot about Kyoto and everything like that. But the art scene in Kyoto as a whole, or even Japan in general, have you kind of immersed yourself in like an art community in Kyoto? Or do your own thing? And then maybe you meet some people along the way. Like, what is the art community like? Or the art scene in general? I would describe it as is the latter as you said like I mostly kind of do my own thing and I have socially met other artists here which has been really cool Kyoto attracts people from all over the world and of course also Japanese artists so 
I am unfortunately not very well informed about the art community here. Uh, kind of one of my regrets, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a it's a thriving one. All, all signs point to that. There are a lot of galleries here, a lot of art and design schools. Yeah, it's a very, very artistic city. And yeah, maybe in the future, I'd like to get a little bit more into that. You know, now that the coronavirus situation is improving and um, meetups and classes and stuff are, are coming back face to face in a way that they they weren't before it might be my chance to get in on that a little bit more so okay wish i knew more <laughs> yeah, no that's that's okay and and you know maybe maybe folks that are listening are maybe they're not interested in necessarily practicing art or immersing in that art community with other artists but maybe they just want to go enjoy art in kyoto or anywhere in japan for that matter do you have any places that you would recommend to people like a certain gallery here or there that you really enjoyed that you would say, hey, if you're going to look for art stuff in Japan, these are the places I would recommend. These are the checklists. Uh, do you have any places like that? Sure. I mean, I think the trick is narrowing it down more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think everybody comes from a different place in terms of what they're interested in and what they're not interested in. Right. But, you know, Kyoto has something for everyone, I think. You know, they have a modern art museum. Um, there's the Kyocera Museum, which is near Heian Shrine, just across the street there. That features not only contemporary art, but they also will do rotating shows of, you know, really well-known artists from the past. Like they recently had an Andy Warhol exhibit. Uh, oh, wow. So it's not always focused purely, of course, on Japanese art, although that is a very important part of the, the museums and galleries here. I mean, you can see stuff from artists from all over the world and all throughout history. But as far as value for your yen, um, the national museums, you know, which you'll find in Kyoto, in Nara, uh, anybody who's interested in older art, which I particularly am, <laughs> You can go there and it's the admission is really reasonable. They even have started doing occasional evening events. So always check the website of the museum to see what's on special exhibition or if there are any special events. NARA recently had like a really cool night event. And I would also advise people to check if you can the Japanese version of the website because sometimes the English version doesn't have all of the information depending on which museum you're talking about. You might want to yeah, Heck. That, that's um, always a trick with, with Japan. Like you, you get the English version of the website, which is very, you, you look at the Japanese version, you're like, wow, that's a lot of information. You look at the English version, it's like two sentences. <laughs> you're like, okay, open nine to five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, open nine to five, Monday through Friday. And that's all, it's, there's no like detail like they have on the Japanese version. So it's like, uh, if you can help, if you find somebody that can help you really get all that information definitely good tip good tip because yeah, english versions agree. always cut and dry <laughs> <laughs> it's like the menus sometimes right they get a little bit of yeah. a limited selection yeah. but actually if i could give some advice i would say enjoy art in its context and so what i mean is those of us who have been fortunate enough to visit kyoto know that a lot of the temples have art displayed in them for example they'll have sliding doors with paintings on them they'll have sometimes paintings on the ceilings of their halls. There will sometimes be just hanging scrolls or sculptures in the temple. And that's where they are at all times, unless maybe they're on special loan or something. And I think not only can you see some really exceptional world-class art in those places, but seeing it displayed in a place where it was meant to be is something that I think is a really, really wonderful part of experiencing Kyoto. So I think even if you're the type of person where you might have a tight itinerary, you might not have a lot of time 
or maybe you don't have quite the level of passion that you want to dedicate an afternoon to a museum, I would I would say that you don't need to. You know, you can try to pay attention to some of the art that's in the places that you're already going. And it's basically like, how can you not see art in Kyoto is almost what happens, which is, yeah. from, my, from my perspective, wonderful. And then there's also a place at Kyoto Station called Ekibijutsukan. And as the name implies, it's a an art museum at the train station so if you are waiting for your train in kyoto like you have a shinkansen ticket booked and you've got a couple hours you can look at a museum at the train station <laughs> they get really good stuff yeah <laughs> so i i would say that there's something for yeah any level of interest and um and basically any any range of interest in, as far as uh you know, what type of art you're interested in. So I hope that's that's helpful. That was kind of broad, but I hope that... <laughs> no, and, and while you were talking about that, it reminded me when I went to... I don't know if you... Have you ever been to Matsue in Shimane Prefecture? Yes, I have. Okay. Yep. Did you go to their... I forget what the official name of the museum is. There's a big museum right on Lake Shinji that's right there. It's overlooking and you get some gorgeous scenery just with that lake at sunset and there's like trees and everything in the background. It's, it's really, really pretty. Oh, you know what? I think, I think I saw that and I didn't have time to go. I did go to the Adachi Museum of Art. Oh yeah. 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 That's really good. Which is yeah. really, Phenomenal. yeah. That's like really the big nice. one. Yeah. Yeah. But there's one on the lake. Okay. Well, I guess I need to go back. There then. you go. You had another reason, huh? <laughs> after my, after my visit to the coal fossil museum. There you go. That's go two there. opposite ends yeah. of the country, but yeah. Yeah. Go, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Get unlimited money from somewhere to right, pay for the right. ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that Seishunju Hachikipu, right? The, yeah, cheap, right? the cheap ticket in just five days. I'm going to take local trains all the way from Shimane to Fukushima. And I'll have an hour in each of the places I'm going. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, now I have some fun questions for you, Rachel. At least I think they're fun. They could be miserable for you because you have no. to make decisions. <laughs> let's, let's give it a try. Okay. So on your Instagram, which I am always going to keep pointing at because it's just amazing. I love watching your stuff when you post. What do you think is your favorite site to sketch? Anywhere with with plenty of nature. And I, I hope that's not a cop out because, um, <laughs> well, one of the things I really admire about Kyoto is that there's a piece of nature anywhere you go in the city. So if people don't already know, Kyoto has regulations about building height. So wherever you are in the city, if you look down the street, you can probably see some mountains or at the very least, you'll see treetops. And there are just pockets of um, nature and greenery pretty much anywhere that you go. And I think when you contrast that to somewhere like Osaka, which is a very urban environment, you start to see the differences. And so I'm charmed even by people who have their container gardens out in front of their houses. That counts for me. All of the you know gardens at the shrines and temples, the Kamo River, which is kind of the lifeblood of the city in more ways than one. It is. Right? I love that place. Just sit there and watch the day go by. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be my answer is, yeah, anywhere with, with some greenery. And so even though, as you said, you're looking at my sketches and they'll have buildings or temples or something like that in them, there's almost always trees or flowers. Oh, or yeah, for sure. I've noticed that. Thanks. Yeah. Which brings <laughs> me to my next question, actually. Okay. What's your favorite season to sketch? Because I know you do the cherry blossoms. That's a really good one. But then I've also seen you do autumn. So I love summer. And yes, I even like Kyoto summer. 
Hey, I know. love Kyoto summer. I used Thank to go you. only during the yes. summer. Yes, a fellow fan. You know, most people call me crazy, so I'm I'm happy to have that in common with you. <laughs> I don't know your reasons for liking Kyoto summer, but summer, I think anywhere in the world has my attention already, but Japan and Kyoto have really sealed the deal in the sense that summer is when the festivals happen. A lot of the festivals in Kyoto yeah. happen. Early summer, you get the fireflies. Yes. Which... Oh my gosh. Okay. So I witnessed that and that was like a spectacle in itself. They're amazing. And, you know, there are different species of them. And even though, of course, we have our firefly species in the US. So if, if you live in an area where you see fireflies, if you see Japanese ones, you'll notice that the color of the light is a little bit different and their flying pattern is a little bit different. And I, could, I just think that the ones in Japan have a very kind of floaty flying quality to them that kind of reminds me of fairies a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, they're very magical. And then, you know, in rainy season, even here, uh, which is June, I think everything is so green. Like the moss is almost electric green. Um, moss goes, grows really, really well in Kyoto and it's fantastic. And then, uh, you know, at the height of the summer, even when it's oppressively sweaty hot out, there's still so much happening in the city. It's just like vibing with life. You know, the songs of the birds and the insects and you know, festival music and exactly. just people laughing and having fun. Exactly. Right? For, for the past two years, Doug and I have been doing this podcast and, you know, Doug always complains about Japanese summers, how hot they are and how grueling it is and how sweaty he gets. And I'm just like, I don't know, I guess because I'm in Kyoto all the time when it's summer, I don't think about how hot it is because it's just so much to do, so much to see. And you're just so immersed in the city that I guess I just don't have time to be hot. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's that hot over there when I go. You'll find time to be hot. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I, I like, hey, let, me, let me disclose her here. I, I <laughs> do like summer in Japan, especially because when we go visit my, uh, my in-laws, it's usually or it used to be. Yeah, it's usually in the summer. End of July, beginning of August, like peak summer festival season. So that was like always my favorite. Uh, even though it's yeah. oppressively hot, it's my favorite time to travel <laughs> in the summer over there. So, I mean, you know, it, it has its pros and its cons. The cons is that I literally have to bring a change of clothes with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Especially if I'm planning on being outside for longer than 20 minutes. Just kidding. 30. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And, you know, there, there are moments where I'm a little uncomfortable, but find yourself some shade, find yourself your favorite iced confection. So I'm always going for those expensive kakigori, the shaved ice. Oh, yes. That like costs my Oh man, rent, Rachel, you good. and I, we need to hang out. <laughs> we you, do. You would be a good hangout buddy. <laughs> I'm here, you know where to find me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Yeah. When you were in Wakayama, did you ever do any sketches or watercolors at Koyasan? I have done a couple sketches at Koyasan, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, not not enough. Like actually, when I was when I was uh, living in Wakayama, I didn't do as much art as I wish I did. When I was there, I was you guys can probably relate. I was pretty busy with other sure, things. Yeah. But you know, since leaving, I still go back there whenever I can, and I have brought my my sketch materials. And yeah, Koyasan. It sounds like you were really impressed by it, right? Like it's just a very spiritual. Kind yeah, it's of a cool place. Place. Yeah. 
It's really nice. So I don't have enough of Wakayama, but I do have a mini book dedicated to Wakayama. So it's one I have once、uh, set aside for it. Cool. So I'd like to complete it by you know visiting some more. So do you, do you, just another question for you, not to yeah rapid fire. <laughs> Please. Oh yeah. Do you have like a journal for every prefecture you go to? No. No. Okay. I don't.、Right. No. Most of the miniature books that I have are Kyoto only. Okay.、Um, Wakayama special, <laughs> and I did do one when I visited Tohoku. Okay. And I've been there three times now, and apparently now I need to go back and visit Fukushima. <laughs> yeah, like I also just have a regular sized travel journal that I take with me anywhere, and sometimes I end up doing a painting, and sometimes I don't.、Uh, it's not that, you know, I don't paint because I'm not inspired. It's just sometimes I don't have time. Sure. Or sometimes it's like raining and it's not good for painting. Yeah,、so. yeah right. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have a separate one for each place. Okay.、No. Some some special special places. Yeah. I mean, sometimes special events get their own. So I have a Gion Festival one. Oh, that's cool. And then yeah, sometimes it happens. So just to tell anyone who hasn't looked at my art yet, so what I'm talking about, I keep talking about miniature sketchbooks. I have these miniature folding sketchbooks that are based on the accordion folded books that you'll find in Japan. Like if anyone has kept a、uh, Goshuin Show, like a temple stamp book, they're they're like that, but they fit in a matchbox. And the reason why I started doing those is because I can extend my composition on the fly. So I can start painting a place, and I can keep going to the side, left or right. I can keep like opening more and more pages, and just kind of stop when I feel like stopping. And there have been times where I didn't stop, and I filled the whole book with one, one, <laughs> one. <laughs> Painting. <laughs> you can't necessarily see that on my Instagram because I just I fold it up and take a picture of it. But、yeah. some of those things they keep going and going and going. That's cool. Like a visual fruit roll up or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned your your Instagram. We've mentioned it a few times.、Um, before we wrap everything up, we want to give our give you a chance to kind of let the people who are listening to our episode here. An opportunity to find your work, whether it's on social media, a blog, a website. I'm not sure where else you have it. I know your Instagram obviously is where you feature a lot of your stuff, but anywhere else that you sh- want to share, and where can they find you and your work? Sure, thanks. Yeah, my Instagram handle is travelbugart, and I have a website, travelbugart.com. Yeah, I do classes here in Kyoto, so if you want to do a face-to-face class when you're visiting, I can do a travel sketchbook class with you. I also do online classes. And then, for anybody that is interested in benefiting a charitable cause, I am a volunteer with Sustainable Dyson, which is、uh, a nonprofit for helping protect the Japanese giant salamander. I've heard、Tokyo. of this before. You have. Yes. I'm so happy you have. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I volunteer with them, and、uh, I offer a video tutorial how to paint hydrangeas. So rainy season is coming up in a couple of months. If you make a donation of、uh, five dollars or more to Sustainable Dyson, you get my one-hour class、um, for free. Cool. So, if you want to support a worthy cause, that's one, another way you can get in on that art action. All right. <laughs> yeah. Is there like a deadline for that? Nope. Anytime. It's up on my website, and if anyone has trouble finding it, just shoot me a message, and I will awesome send you the link. Great.、Yeah. 
That sounds great. Well, yeah, no, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Yeah. I had so much fun with this episode. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot and, of fun. Uh, definitely when I get back to Japan, I'm hoping to go back in 2024. I'll, uh, I'll reach out. That would be amazing. Let's get Kakigori together. Hey, yes, Kakigori. In the summer, in the My grueling heat. Thing. In the grueling heat of the summer. <laughs> oh, we'll just, you we'll have our senses <laughs> yeah. and just be fanning yeah. ourselves, eating our fancy shaved ice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> well, it was awesome having you. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, our listeners are going to really benefit from this, I have a feeling. So thank you so much. We really appreciate yeah, thank you. it. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Crew of Japan podcast. We got to experience Japan from an artistic point of view today. Maybe if you're looking to take some time away from your hectic travels in Japan, you'll want to record your experience in a more personal level, like through art, as Rachel experienced. Are you a casual or inspiring artist who has produced works based on your time in Japan? Share your Japan art with us on social media. We'll love to see it. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Crew of Japan Podcast. That's K R E W E O F J A P A N Podcast. While you're there, follow and like. Let us know how you're enjoying the podcast and maybe even drop us some hints on other episode topics that you'd love to hear. But that's it for today. Until next time.